welcome <laughs> to all of the uh, Into One Watch parties that are going on wherever they are, whether they're near or far from here. Today we're going to be in episode three of our message series that we've been calling uh, Come to Worship. Quick review, uh, just in case you haven't been around, or you haven't uh, seen or heard the last ones. Previous episodes, episode one, we uh, talked about worshiping God by lifting our hands, lifting up holy hands to our God as an act of worship. Episode two, we talked about giving our gifts, bringing our gifts. We worship God um, through trust, and bringing our gifts and giving them with joy, releasing them and finding freedom there. And then episode four, we're going to talk about kneeling before God, what it, what it means to do that as an act of worship. And all of these postures of worship, they tie us into a relationship with the ancient church uh, and, and from around the world church. And so today I want to introduce to you something that you might not think of as uh, a form of worship. But I believe that uh, if, if you can use this, you will connect with your soul to God in a way that maybe you've never have before. So the title of today's message is Pour Out Your Heart. Pour out your heart before God as an act of worship. We're not going to just worship in our minds and say, I, I agree, but we're going to worship from the depth of our soul to, to let the us come out. For those of you who find yourself right now very blessed, you're overwhelmed with gratitude for God, I want you to pour out your hearts as an act of worship to God to celebrate what He is doing in your midst. That's not everyone. Some of you might be in a place where you're feeling kind of bland right now. There's a malaise. Uh, maybe you're feeling a little bit uh, like you're just kind of existing, just trying to get in by. And you too have the opportunity to pour out your heart because God is faithful. Uh, he's always with you. And then there are those of you who right now might very well be in a very difficult season. Uh, above anybody else, I believe that this message is going to speak directly to you. Some of you right now, you might feel very alone, uh, very alone as you move into the Christmas season. There, 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 there might be, may be someone who was here last year, and, 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 and this year, they're, they're not there. And you ache in pain. You have an empty chair. You're afraid. Maybe you've gotten a bad medical report. Others of you are trying to buy gifts, and, and financially, you realize, I just don't have the resources. Some of you are dealing with difficult relationships right now. And if you're in the middle of a hard time, I'm going to encourage you and I'm going to give you the opportunity to pour out your heart to God, to, to pour it out, to cry out to God, to communicate clearly and to not hold back because God cares for the brokenhearted. He is near to those who need Him. Today we're going to hear from Scripture and learn how to pour out our hearts to God as an act of worship. We're going to start today, and we're going to, we're going to reference um, a manual, uh, an ancient worship guidebook for human interactions with God. It's a collection, uh, collected works of, of songs and poems and prayers compiled that has been used for centuries to guide people into an honest and open interaction with God. So we're going to dive into the book of Psalms, and we're going to visit David at some key points in his life, and we're going to start at Psalm 142. So if you want to look up 142, you can. We're going to look at verse 2 and then verse 5. David said this, I pour out. So right now, come with me. Help me out here. I pour out. I pour out my, uh, before the Lord, my complaint. Now, it's really important to get this at the beginning. He's not saying, oh God, you're wonderful. Right now he's saying, oh God, my life is so difficult. 
I'm having a hard time. And he pours out his complaint before God. This is part of the process. He says, before him, I tell my trouble. And you drop down to verse 5. It says, I cry to you, O Lord. Then we're going to watch as he calls God something very special. A title that we don't always think of. God, you are my refuge. You are my portion in the land of the living. And he uses the same phrase again in Psalm 62, verse 8, when he says, trust in the Lord at all times, you people. What does he do? After that, come on, say it with me again. Pour out your hearts to him. Pour out your hearts. Cry from the depths of your soul to God. For God is our refuge. God is our refuge. And here's a little research-based insight for you on this word refuge that he uses both times. As he cries out to God, as he is crying out, he realizes, he discovers, he remembers in that process that God is his refuge. And of all the Levitical cities, there were six of them in the time when David was alive that were designated as a place of refuge. Now, this hopefully would never apply to you, but what if you accidentally killed someone? Your life would be in danger. You could go to one of these six cities as a place of refuge to hide, a hiding place, a place of safety. Now, I don't know about you, I don't know what your experience has been in these kinds of things, but a lot of children have a safe place. So when you were young, how many of you had a place that you kind of thought of as your safe place? Anybody have one of those kind of things out there? Some place you felt really safe. Might have been the closet, that was the place that you went to go and hide. For some of you, it definitely, absolutely was not the closet because that's where the monsters all lived, so it definitely wasn't the closet. And some of you might have had a, um, a blankie that you would take, and that blankie made the safe place wherever the safe place needed to be, to be. Maybe you had a clubhouse that you could go into. For me, I had a fort underneath the basement stairs. Now, I don't know why, but that's where I would go under the stairs, and I would burrow into the back of it in a place that only I could fit my special own little hidden cave of wonders, and I would feel safe in that place. And as you grow older, sometimes your safe place is not just a place, it's not geography, but it's a safe place because of a person that you're with, right? Your safe place is with that other person. I feel secure now, and as you go through life, your kids, they often find a safe place with you whether they're young or old. But sometimes in, in our past, um, there's, there's maybe a big thunderstorm or, or a power failure at night or a power failure at night because of a really big storm and the house starts to make some weird noises. And um, at some point, our kids had been known to just come running into our room full blast, full speed. Why? Well, it certainly wasn't because our bedroom was bomb-proof, right? It's no safer than anywhere else, but it's because we were in the bedroom, and that's where the safety came from. Just like when you're a kid, if your parents are in the room, the monsters can't get you, right? That's just the way it works. And if they close the closet door, well, the the monsters are supernaturally sealed into the closet and they can't get out, so no problem. If there's a monster under your bed, the monster can't come out from under your bed as long as your parents are in the room. That's the way it works, right? And if your parents are not in the room and you happen to accidentally leave your arm lying over the edge of the bed, well, of course, they can reach up and they can grab you. They can pull you underneath the bed. But if you just keep your arms tight against you and keep them in the perimeter of the bed space, the monster cannot penetrate that secret safe seal. And so you're safe. And somehow, these two are just 
you know, bonus life tips, right? And somehow that's supposed to help us understand that God is our refuge. Somehow that relates. God is our place of safety. Call out to him. Pour out your heart to God before God because God is our safe place. He's our safe space. Have you ever loved to be needed? Have you ever been just thrilled because someone needed something that you were particularly gifted and able to do? Has it ever happened that that became the high point of your week? And does this not at some point help you in clarifying the whole relationship? I have value in this relationship. I'd submit to you that our Heavenly Father loves for you, His child, to need Him, to recognize that you need Him, and to recognize that He loves you and that He loves you when you pour out your heart to Him, when you tell Him the truth. He already knows everything about you anyways, right? So He can handle your cry to Him for help. He wants to hear it, and He wants to hear it in your own words. It's so helpful for you to be able to release it, to not bottle it up inside, to tell Him that you have that clarifying moment of trust as you cry out and you release. And today I want to give you the chance to pour out your heart before God, to cry out to Him, but then to make that an act of worship. And I want you to, to, to give you a couple things to think about um, so that at the end of our service, when we move into this moment of worship, that you can take that opportunity and you can claim it and make it a crying out to God that is an act of worship. So a couple things to remember. Um, if The first one, uh, if you like taking notes, as you pour out your heart, I want to encourage you to remember God's faithfulness in the past. As you cry out to Him, reflect back on God's goodness, God's faithfulness in the past. So let's, uh, let's go to Psalm 42 for a moment. We're not 100% sure, honestly, who wrote this hymn, uh, this hymn, this Psalm, Psalm 42, but most scholars tend to think that it's probably David after Absalom, his son, had rebelled against him, and then because of that, there was a real response back from a lot of the people who were saying stuff like, hey, we believe God has now turned against you, David. God has rejected you, David. And he's at this really low point in his life. Start with verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night. Any of you ever feel like that? You cry yourself to sleep. You're hurting you feel all alone. My tears have been my food. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? In other words, if you're serving God so well, then why is all this happening in your life? And sometimes you might, you might feel like this. Where's your God? Then in verse 4, this is the key part here. He says, these things I remember. That kind of sounds important. Right? That sounds like some life experience that we could all learn from. These things I remember as I am pouring out my soul. These things I remember as I cry out to God. These things I remember as I ache from within and, and I allow myself to experience that. These things I remember as I pour out my soul to God. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive thrones. I remember that. And then you can almost see that as he's saying that, there's a gear shifting that happens on the inside. And then he starts to preach to himself. Because, because of these things I remember. So hold, hold, hold on a second here. Wait a minute. 
Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Come on, put your hope in God, for yet I will praise Him, my Savior and my God. I don't know about you, but, but every once in a while, when, when I'm crying out to God, I, I've got to recall the faithfulness of God. It, it helps so much. These things I remember as I poured out my soul. Sometimes I preach to myself. I'll be entirely honest. And honestly, I'm going to recommend to you that you should preach to yourself as well. Over these last few weeks, I've had some ups and downs. Somehow, I managed to find a way to be discouraged, even in the midst of so many great things. The world just felt heavier than normal. And then I had all this kick in for me again. And I say again because it's happened before. I had to tell myself, why so downcast? But, of course, I say it in my own words. Put your hope in God. And I want to give you a chance today to cry out to God. So we're going to do that in a couple of minutes, to pour out your soul. To say, I don't understand, God. God. God, why aren't you doing what I think you could do or what I think you should do? How come it doesn't look like the way I want it to look right now? Where are you, God? Do that. As you do that, remember the faithfulness of God in the past, for he has always been there for you, and allow that to transform your mind. There's another amazing story. It's uh, in a book called Lamentations, so you can kind of figure how this story is going to go. Lamentations. Focuses on the prophet Jeremiah. You want to see a guy who had a bad month? Read about what Jeremiah went through. And he says even about himself, he goes, I am a man who has seen much affliction. And then for literally 20 verses in Jeremiah, he just lays it out. The pain, the anguish, the, the, the hurt, the injustice, the complaints. You have permission to do this before God. And some of you may say, well, God, why aren't you doing what I want you to do in my marriage? Honestly, God, I don't understand. I, I don't even know if my marriage is going to make it. Are, are you even watching? Maybe it's from a past marriage. And you're thinking, why can't we just treat each other civilly? Why does everything have to be such a big deal every single time? Why does it feel like there's so much on the line every time we communicate? And cry out, God, financially, I'm a wreck. If something doesn't happen soon, if we don't see a new direction, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to end up. Maybe you cry out to God on behalf of your children. Or, or one of your children. God, please, have mercy on this child. I cannot believe what they continue to do. Cry out honestly before God. This is exactly what Jeremiah is doing. And some people think that it's disrespectful to do that to God. And I am not one of those people. Listen, God already knows what's in your heart. He already knows what you're thinking, right? It's not a secret. He longs to be needed. And he gives you permission to just say it like it is. To release it so that you can, you can have a response back. Here's how, how Jeremiah does it in verse 19. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. Verse 20, I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. And then he drops some life skills, right? Then he shares prophet of God level spiritual technique. Verse 21, yet this I call to mind, 
and therefore I have hope. Yet this I call to my mind, and therefore I have hope. In the middle of his desperate cry, from, from his soul releasing it all, he recalls the goodness of God. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Verse 22, because of the Lord's great love. Why does he have hope? Because of God's great love. We're not consumed. Why? Because his compassion never fail. Verse 22, they are, 23, they are new every morning. And watch this. He was talking about God, right? This is what I'm feeling about God. And then he pivots. And now he's talking to God. And he was talking to God. Then he says, great is your faithfulness. I call this to mind. Therefore, I have hope. Everything is still true. Every now and again, you just need to get lost in the presence of God. And when you cry out to him, say, yes, and now I call this to mind. Yes, I recall your faithfulness, God. And because of that, I have hope in the middle of where I am. Never denying where it is that you are. Some of you might think back through what he's brought you through so that you can remember his faithfulness. Think back when, when you called on him and he forgave you and the weight of your sin was was lifted. Remember when God answered a prayer that there were there were that one time and there, were, there was no way that it could anything have ever happened like that without God. It was so miraculous. And, and so you look back and you say, oh, oh God, my God, I give you praise because of your faithfulness. You've already shown me that. Thank you for inspiring me again with your faithfulness. I choose to not forget what happened in my past. I will remember I will remember you, God, and I remember you showing up when I needed you. Remember that time when God healed a relationship, when you thought that there was no way that that relationship could be healed, but somehow, miraculously, God changed your heart. And then more miraculously, he changed the heart of someone else. Yet I call this to mind. Because of your faithfulness, I still have hope. Remember that time that you were, you were hurting and uh, you felt like you were all alone and you read a Bible verse, and maybe it's a Bible verse that you've read like 20 times before, but today it was different. It was not the same. It was that, like it was just for you. Like it, it just hit you exactly where you were. Remember that time when you came to church or you were church online and, and, and there was a message and you said, oh, that was just for me. It was like straight into me. It was written only for me. Nobody else was in the room. It was like just you and God and God is ministering to you personally. Remember that. Yet I call this to mind and therefore I have hope. I can choose to think of all the things that are wrong, yet I call this to mind and therefore I have hope. Whenever I'm pouring out my heart to God, God, I'm hurting. God, I don't understand. I remember, I rehearse the faithfulness of God. And it's, it's wonderful when they're your own stories. God has done some really cool things for me, cool things around me, cool things through me even. And he showed up on one road trip from Regina, Saskatchewan to Toronto, Ontario, as I was still beginning to figure out my earnest pursuit trying to discover what my faith, what my practice would look like. I was in Bible school, second year, I think. Um, that's why I was in Regina. And to set the tone for this story, you need to understand that this was really a long, long time ago. This was pre-cell phone days. I, some of you can't even imagine what that was like, but yes, we did live in that world. It was May, and May in the prairies can be very unpredictable weather-wise. We were going to take the U.S. route, um, through Chicago for the first time. And we started the trip 
with some good old-fashioned Bible college praying. And it's, it was easier to practice spirituality in that environment. It was kind of just expected. We, we just did it. And there had been this massive storm in North Dakota and Montana, and snow and ice everywhere. You couldn't tell the difference between the roads and the fields. And because it's flat, you really can't tell the difference. Our caravan was comprised of two cars, two Ford Tempos, and a hollowed-out, stripped-down shell of a former camping trailer. Saskatchewan had been fine. Beautiful spring weather. Glorious. But now we're driving in snowmageddon. Storms out there, especially in the prairies, look, make uh, storms here look kind of puny. They don't have the wind d- distance to, to build up. We've been driving all day, and the plan was to drive straight home. So that's going to be about 36 hours, give or take. And it's now night, and I'm navigating the trip. And I just happened to look into the rearview mirror and watch the lights of the car behind me turn off the road. I go, well, that's odd. We were just there. There, there was no road there. there. There was no one else on the road besides two tempos and a trailer from Ontario. That must have been our car. We should really go back and check. The car with the trailer had completed a full 180 and was now on the opposite side of the road facing west. Trailer was fine. Everybody, everything was fine. And we marveled in that moment at God's protection. The drive home continues. We hit Chicago and we're heading through. And I'd never seen this before. There was 10 lanes of traffic per side. Uh, we, were, we were on the most interior of the lanes in Chicago in rush hour traffic. The, the road is packed solid. The traffic is crawling along. And I noticed the temperature gauge was also crawling up higher and higher. We keep glancing at the gauge. The engine's going to overheat. What are we going to do? We're 10 lanes deep into traffic and it's solid. We can't get off. The needle is now in the red. We are burying the needle in the hot zone. So we pray. God, I don't know how to fix stuff. We need this to go down. We don't know where we are. There's two cars. We're traveling together. We'll never get connected again. Please bring the heat in the car engine down. Please help us. Without you, we're going to be in really big trouble. No word of a lie. I look down at the gauge and I watch it slide down. Out of the red, out of the orange, out of the yellow, all the way down to the middle of the green. My God had protected us again. He was showing us that he can be trusted. He was worthy of our trust. We can have faith in him. Same trip, still in Chicago, because Chicago goes on like forever when you're driving through. And we pass through a toll, and uh, the toll booth, and, and right on the other side of the booth, about 100 yards away, is the right turn exit that we need to get onto. We, in car number one, we make it to the exit ramp, and we crank it over, and we pull off onto the exit ramp, and we sit there on the shoulder waiting for car number two to come through. And so there we see car number two with the trailer drive right by. Oh no! Now what are we supposed to do? We can't follow them because we're already on the ramp, the exit. And they're going in the exact wrong direction. And so we follow the ramp up to where it joins the other road. And we pull off to the side there and we wait on the side there. We're waiting. We're looking, hoping. God, 
What do we do now? We have no idea where they are. No way to contact them. We should pray again. Maybe God will help us again. Okay, God, please help us. We really need a sign from you or some wisdom right now. Every minute we, may, we, may, every minute we wait, we could be separating at high speed. Thank you for hearing our prayers before. That was great. But we could really use some help now. Again. Amen. One. Two. Three. They appear. They appear out of nowhere. They're just in front of us. They drive by. They're right in front of us, heading the right way. We pull into traffic, and we reconnect with them. Boom. Not boom like we hit them, but boom. Isn't that great? And that was all in one trip from Regina to Toronto. And lots more happened on that trip that I don't have time to talk to you about right now. And I'm not making any of this stuff up. You can ask Tony Walmsley, because he was there too. He was in tempo number two with the trailer. And all of that is now in my base camp. All of that is boiled down into the training and to the pre-structural places of into one. Our God provides abundantly beyond all that we can ask or even imagine, and sometimes we don't even ask for it, and he's providing. Over my life, I have seen that my God has been faithful enough to not always give me what I asked for, but instead to give me what I needed. Remember, rehearse the faithfulness of God. Remember what he has done. It reshapes how you feel about where you are in this moment. It doesn't change anything, but it resets your focus. And I remember the faithfulness. I see what's happening around me. I'm not naive. I can see it. Yet even so, I call these stories to my mind, and therefore I have hope. Cry out to God. Do it. Tell him the truth. Tell him where you hurt. Tell him why you're scared. No one needs to know if it's embarrassing. Just you, but pour out your complaint. Tell him that you don't understand. Tell him that you don't like it. Tell him that it doesn't make sense. But as you do that, look back. Look back at the faithfulness of God. And I can't tell you uh, how many times that the very thing that I hated in that season, as I look back again and I see the purposes and the plans of God all over what I thought was my worst nightmare during that season, remember the faithfulness of God. Past shapes your future. Cry out to Him. Cry out with what's inside and let it turn to worship even though you don't understand and you'd have it any other way than the way that it is. Remember the faithfulness of God from the past. That's the first thing. As you pour out your hearts, remember God's faithfulness in the past. Second thing, as you pour out your heart to God, trust in God's power for your future. Trust His intervention and His presence, which you haven't yet seen, for your future. The psalmist in Psalm 102 was at a really low point, um, and he pours out his heart to God. Just, just listen to the honesty that's in here. Listen to the sincerity from the depths of his soul. Verse 6, hear my prayer, Lord. Let me cry for help. Come to you. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I'm in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly. In my distress, I groan aloud and I'm reduced to skin and bones. Seven, I lie awake. I can't sleep. My mind is so heavy at night. I become like a bird alone on a roof. All day long, my enemies taunt me. 
And there's three words that change everything. Three words that, that absolutely and completely in a moment's time change everything. These three words alone will be the very reason that so many of you are here at this moment. My life is falling apart. I do not understand. I cry out to you, God, from the depths of my soul. My enemies taunt me. But you, Lord. But you, God. I don't understand. But you, God, are faithful. I don't have the ability. But you, God, are powerful. I feel all alone. But you, God, are faithful. You are with me. I don't know what to do. Verse 12. But you, Lord sit enthroned forever. You are still on the throne. Your renown endures through all generations. Verse 17, he will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. So some of you, you're about to have a but you God moment. And you're going to cry out. And you're going to pour out your heart. And you're going to release your concerns. You're going to be honest. You're going to let it rip from the depths of your soul. I do not understand. From the pit of your pain, you cry out to God, but you keep crying out to Him. And at some point, you will push through the pain to the point of praise. I need to say that again because this is important. You will push through the pain to the point of praise. It is possible. God, I don't understand. God, I don't like it. God, I wish it were any other way than it is right now. Oh, but you, God, you're still in charge. You are still on the throne. Your purposes, your plans, they're still in place. You have plans to bless your people and to prosper them and not to harm them, but to give them hope and a future. But with you, God, you are working in all things to bring about good to those who you love and are called according to your purpose. But you, O oh Lord, some of you, you lost someone, and, and, and maybe it hurts like you imagine hell. It's the worst thing imaginable. And you cry out to God, and you push through the pain to the place of praise when you can say, but you, O oh God, will never leave me, and you will never forsake me. Some of you, again, financially, you are a wreck right now. And this season, ooh, it's just a highlight of that. But you push through the pain to the place of praise where you can say, but you, oh God, you are my provider. My trust is in you. You feel rejected. You push through the pain. But you, God, you will never leave me. You will never forsake me. You've got medical issues. But you, God, you are my healer. You bring restoration and health. The name of Jesus is above every name. You are afraid, and you don't know what is to come. And I, I can't even see, God. I don't know. But you, God, have not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And at some point, you plead, you cry, you pour out your heart. But at some point, because you know God, you stop pleading and you start praising. It will come when you don't expect it. In the middle of your cry, suddenly you realize, you remember who you're talking to, and you remember how much he loves you, how much he cares for you. He is close to the brokenhearted, and suddenly your plea for help turns to praise because he is good, 
and he is worthy of all praise. By his grace, we overcome, we bear up under, and we come through. It's a little bit like that friend maybe you have, or maybe it's a family member, the one who every year for years sends you the best gift. They nail it every time. It's not me. I can't do that. But that's the bottom line. You know what's coming. The great track record. Christmas is arriving. Box arrives. You text them, thanks for the awesome gift. They say back, hey, do you like it? And go, haven't even opened it yet. I'm just thanking you in advance because it's going to be fabulous. You, have, you haven't even seen it yet, but you know that their character, you know their ability, you've seen it over time to pick that right gift for you. At some point, you just might, you just might thank God in advance. You don't even know what's going to happen, but you know he is always good, and you thank him ahead of time because he has mystified you and surprised you in the past. God, I know that you're going to prove yourself faithful. Don't know what it's going to look like. I know that I'm going to look back on this thing that I hated. I might not ever love it, but I'm going to see your hand of faithfulness in it. And suddenly out of your pain, you find the ability to worship. Not because your life feels good right now, but because God is always good. And you push through the pain to the point of praise. You pour out your heart to God because he can handle it. You tell him the truth. He longs to be needed by his children. Remember his goodness and his faithfulness. Yet I call this to mind. Therefore, I have hope. But you, O oh Lord, no matter what I'm going through, but you, O oh God, you are always faithful. Remember it. Cry out to him. Take the time to do it. Remember when you do that God has been faithful in the past. He is good in the present. Therefore, you can trust him with your future. Our God has been faithful in the past. He is good in the present, and therefore you can trust him with your future. At church on Main Street, at church online, in, in all of our Into One watch parties, I want to give you a moment now to worship, to, to, to just cry out. If life is good right now, cry out in praise. If life is kind of blah, cry out in worship because our God is worthy. And if you're hurting today, if you feel alone, cry out from the depths of your soul because God, God can handle it and he cares. You can thank him in advance because he'll always be faithful in your future. Come on, pour out your praise. Pour out your heart to God in praise. Dan, lead us.